amazing ladies. I am so excited to be joining you today with the amazing Alex from Barilda Park Equine. Not only is she a phenomenal businesswoman, but she's also the winner of the Regional Superstar Award from Alibi Awards last year. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. Thank you so much for inviting me, Kylie. Um, let's get started. Do you want to um, tell us a bit about yourself and what your business is about? Yeah, sure. So my name's Alex. I'm 30. I live in a little a little regional town called Obron, so just over the Blue Mountains. Um, I am 30 weeks pregnant with my second bubba. <laughs> I've got another little baby. He's two and a half, a husband named Lee, and we've got a little farm here. It's about 140 acres, and we purpose bought it to purpose be able to leave our previous lives and merge into our new businesses out here, and that's where we're at. And I think that's that's where the Alibi Awards came in and made me so proud of what we've created out here. Awesome. So what is your business? What do you do? It's pretty multifaceted. So we've got, when, when we built the place, it was really dilapidated pea and potato farm. And it used to have like 60 people out here in the, like the 60s. So they were picking peas and potatoes. And there was this awesome like stone block potato packing shed. And it just been completely run down. And so when we came out here, we thought, okay, what? how much juice can we squeeze out of this little pocket of paradise? So we really got our thinking caps on and we took all the fences down and we put power on, we popped our house on, a little 11-person cottage, um, a barn that was at the time Lee's machinery shed. We put an indoor horse arena on and some stables, a 10, 10 barn stable block, and we thought, let's go down the horse route to begin with. So we, bought, we did the arena, the stables, and the cottage to be able to facilitate horsemanship clinics. So that's kind of, that was the path that we were going down to begin with. And then COVID hit. And so we kind of went, all right, we need to be fluid. We need to pivot a little bit. And so the Airbnb, the cottage then became an Airbnb. So that formed its own part of it, of the business. It takes 11 people that, because I like nobody Kylie could go over to Europe and they couldn't go to the Bahamas. So you had all these people who were like, could only go within, you know, a couple of hours out of Sydney. And so then people started to go, oh my God, where's Oberon? What a cool place to go. And it just started getting some traction there. So that formed one part of the business. And then kind of COVID started to lift a little bit. We could have people at outdoor events, which is exactly what horsemanship clinics are. They're outdoor events. So people couldn't go to lots of other things that they were going to. So they started to flock here. And it really started to get some real traction. Um, my husband's a horse trainer, so he would teach all of it. And then my background is in PR events, marketing, journalism, more the creative side of it. So we just kind of came together and that's how Barilda Park Equine started. It's awesome. By the way, I absolutely love Oberon. My family are from there many moons ago. So I love, I know where you, when you say a quiet town, I'm like, I know where it is. I've been there. I'd love to go back one day. So yeah, please. Yeah, <laughs> I know a spot. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Is it farm? I'll bring that. That's actually on my, when we talk about goals later, that's on my goal list is to get over that mountain. I'm about halfway there at the moment. So that's awesome. <laughs> and it's good to hear how you've pivoted during COVID because COVID was like, it affected a lot of people, everyone really, we we're all in lockdown. And then to hear that you were able to pivot and still be able to have people for those beautiful, like, I guess, farm stay retreats and coming to stay in the cottage. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it was definitely a God's. I think, I think there were quite a few things that were positive to come out of COVID, to be honest. This is what I love about it because it's just raw and real and it's just 
mum business life, business life, it's how it is. So it's like, oh, yeah, there were lots of positives to come out of COVID. I think if you kind of could look in your peripheries a little bit. So, for example, um, every like a lot of businesses, if you had the option, not all businesses did, but we went online. So people couldn't for a little while actually come to clinics. So I, my sister was really good with video editing. And so she's a, what do they call them? Gen X, Gen Z. I don't know. She's 20. Yeah. (laughs) How to do that. So I got pretty proficient in um, using iMovie. And so we filmed an online training series so that everybody all over Australia could do what we would normally do at a clinic. And we took an off-the-track thoroughbred so that it was super relatable. And my husband trained that horse and we made what we called a boot camp. I think it was a six or eight-week boot camp. There were hundreds of people that were in that because everyone's sitting at home and they can't go anywhere. Mm. So it was it was positive in some ways. That's great. And I love that you roped your sister in to do the video editing. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, I roped her in to do it until I needed to do it myself. Oh, and then yeah. she had to upskill. <laughs> so other than um, COVID being a challenge, what has been your other biggest challenge with running your business? Uh, I think I've probably got two. So one's an everyday challenge and one is a real challenge. So my everyday challenge I face is I'm dyslexic. So with numbers. So I really struggle with the accounting side of our business. I've only just in the last sort of six months actually started to reconcile things and actually had a a masterclass with the accountants. So for the last X amount of years that our business has been running, Lee's mum has been doing our accounts because I just can't seem to get my head around numbers. That is a daily occurrence and something that I'm always working on. I think a lot of people, hopefully there's a lot of people who go, oh my God, it's not just me (laughs) losing 80 receipts. My poor accountant hears from me all the time. So no, it's not not you, (laughs) accountant. I have an issue and she'll be like, what do you need now, Kylie? Seriously. So no, I get it. I get it. You're better, Kylie. (laughs) Um, My other one, my other really, really big challenge that kind of put us on a positive trajectory after like a really bad time was, I think it was 2019 or 2018, um, I had a really bad horse riding accident. So really, really bad. Um, I was riding on my birthday through the forest with a whole bunch of friends. Every year we would do this big ride. And they're not horse riders, really. So it was it was like at another trail riding place and Lee and I had our own horses and I was riding my horse along and I just wasn't paying attention and he didn't feel right and he kept trying to lie down and I just completely ignored him. Like everything that we train people to just like, these are the signs, look for these things, I just ignored it. And I he kept trying to lie down and I kept like spurring him up saying, like, let's keep going. And I had my eyes on everyone else and I wasn't thinking about myself and um, I asked him for a canter to catch up to everyone and what I didn't realize at the time is he had a really big thistle burr stuck directly into his spine and he was trying to roll to get the get the feeling out and I didn't realize and so he's gone into this new motion of a, a canter stride and just humped up in the air and I came out of the saddle over the horn couldn't get back came off the side and my my left leg was stuck in the stirrup and I got dragged through the bush And as a result of that, my right arm was broken in, like my humerus was broken in five places. So they wrapped that up and they tried to get it to, in hindsight, it was never going to heal. But in six or 10 weeks, get it to heal. It didn't. So I went in for surgery and they said, look, there's a chance that during surgery, your arm could be temporarily paralyzed. Could be, you know, we could bang the nerve and it could be 24 hours. So just be prepared for that. So I came out of surgery and it didn't come back and it was the next day and then it was the next week and then it was the next month 
And then suddenly I was thinking, is this my life? We're six months on and I developed what was called radial palsy. So my arm was sort of just, it was degenerating. It was, I couldn't do anything. And I, Lee had to do my hair and I couldn't drive and certainly couldn't like put a saddle on a horse. And I just felt like, oh, I had, I feel a bit useless. I can't do anything. And we're about to get married and we did end up getting married and I couldn't put Lee's ring on. Um, and it was just, it was just a really, it was a really awful time. And then it was about a couple of weeks after that, I went to see a nerve specialist and the nerve specialist put some um, electronic conductors up my arm and they said, we just need one nerve. There's millions in there. We just need one. And they couldn't find any. And I just remember being so devastated because I was thinking, how am I supposed to run our business? How am I supposed to have kids? I had no kids at the time. Like, I can't change a nappy. Like I can't, I can't drive our kids anywhere properly. Like it was so, that, that was so mentally and physically challenging, probably more mentally challenging. And then they got an ultrasound person to come in and the ultrasound person, person found one nerve and it had made its way from up here and it regenerated all the way down to here. She said, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to feel a tingling. And then in the next couple of weeks I did, I felt a tingling and it made its way up my arm and it was just like all of the nerves are just like it had reached its destination and my hand started to work again. And that was the most challenging time of my entire life, professionally, personally, in every way, shape and form. It kind of made the accounting not look so bad. How long did that take? Like how long after the accident were, like, were you able to move your hand, like your arm again? It was six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. A long time. And have you been back on a horse since? Yes. Yep. Yep. Many, many. <laughs> yeah. It didn't knock my my confidence uh, that much. I think I was educated enough at that point through all of the work that we'd been doing with lots of other people to know, okay, I know exactly what I did wrong. Exactly. I, I literally steered this car into a tree myself. It wasn't the car's fault. It was just, it was me. And I knew it was just a massive wake up call. What a wonderful story to then share in relation to your business. Anyone that wants to come in and learn about horsemanship or, and all of that riding stuff to go, look, this is what, by not paying attention or not having that, I've learned from this mistake. So I'm here to share it with you so that you can not have this happen. Definitely. I think especially, I don't know how much you know about the horse industry, Kylie, but um, <laughs> kind of closed off a little bit. Everyone's got their own, their knowledge and they don't necessarily want to share it or they don't necessarily want to talk about vulnerabilities and you can end up feeling like you're the only, I mean, maybe that's every industry. You can end up feeling really alone. So it was kind of like when I opened up about the vulnerabilities, that's when the online community started and lots of people will come here and I can't even tell you the incredible stories that come here from women who were thinking about suicide, for example, and they have come here and found a community that they'd never had for 20 years of riding and it's changed everything or we've had women who've seen people um seen family members be killed in horse riding accidents love horses so much but they can't even get on their horse without shaking and now four years later we've been able to source them and train them a horse them sent it to them that they now ride every week so these kinds of things are just a direct trajectory of me being able to share my vulnerability and having what i like to call like the balls to actually be able to put it out there because like, yeah, I fucked up. I really fucked up. And I'm the person who probably shouldn't fuck up because my husband's the one training everyone. Like I know better. 
but it happens. It does. And I love, the, and that is the whole thing, like that one moment of sharing vulnerability and putting yourself out there. A lot of people hesitate to do it, but it's how communities are formed. Alibi was created the exact same way. I was at home, an anxious mom knowing know what to do with my business, what's happening. I started a community and just, you know, waved a flag and said, is there anyone else like having issues, like any anxiety or anything, whatever. And people come to that because they're like, oh, someone's being real. They're being open. They're being honest. They're not faking it till they make it. They're not hiding behind some mask. They're just like, this is me. And I want to know if there's anyone else experiencing that. So I think sharing vulnerability is so beautifully important. And I know now, I don't know much about the horse industry, but someone that can go, I fucked up. I'm like, I'm all her way because I fuck up on the daily. Like I'm coming over there and checking out what she's doing. Because then just like like in the horse industry, people don't tell you when they fuck up. Much like in the business industry, you've you've created a space where normally women don't celebrate themselves. So you've gone the opposite. You've gone, hey, I'm going to create a space where I want you to tell me how awesome you are. I want you, let's have a chat about all the cool things that you've done. Yeah. So it's very similar structure in creating a whole new realm out of some, you know, little pocket of a community that didn't exist. Yeah. And I think it's just beautiful. And people notice that. And that's when they come. I think more people just need to be um, more authentic and share the vulnerabilities, the good, the bad, and celebrate themselves, of course. So, <laughs> so what has been your biggest achievement in your business so far? You know what? I think it's probably been the balance that we've got now. So it's not one, you know, one achievement that we've done. Because I just think, every, you know, the balance, I think. So it's finally, the business is finally at a point where we can spend time together now. And we've, I think at the further that we get into our business, we've just opened up another facet of our business where we've gone into a wedding, a wedding barn and a, an events barn. And that's kind of where we're veering a little bit more at the moment. But the horse side of it has set us up so we can actually spend time together because for the longest time, like Lee and I have never been on a holiday together. We've been together for eight years. We've never been on a holiday together. We just have worked so hard. And the biggest achievement now is being able to actually like it was only last night cooking dinner and my little boy was just sitting there saying like I want to help you mummy and Lee was off doing something else and I was thinking there's just this piece like we're actually like we had sat down and we had dinner together and I was like this is a real like a real-time achievement like I feel like when you like to you know create a good business create a successful business create money you should be trying to buy yourself time and I feel like we're finally hit a point where we've bought ourselves a little bit of time and we'll continue to do that I absolutely love that I love that. And I love it as an achievement. It's such a good way to look at it because that's, you know, that is what business is. It's getting, trying to get time back and have the money to do that because time isn't renewable. It's not something we can just click the link and go, you know, whereas money, you know, it is renewable to an extent, but time isn't. So I think that's absolutely beautiful. I like that achievement. So what do you love? So I know that there's a lot of aspects of your business, but what are you absolutely loving about your business right now? I think it's the stories, to be honest. Our whole social media is made up of storytelling. So before I came into this, I was a journalist in my early 20s and until my mid-20s, and I wrote for magazines and I was telling everyone else's stories and I just froth it. I love it. Like if someone comes to me with this awesome story, I just I need to write about it. And then if more people are affected by that, then then I like I want to write about it so much more. So I think the main thing now is that like the, the best thing at the moment about our business is that we've I've created a platform that people can come and tell me their stories and I can share them and I can write about them. And I love knowing that without me having shared my accident and 
me being able to have the platform to be able to share these experiences and create these events than other people being willing to come on board and share their experiences. There's some really cool stuff that happens in their lives and in our lives that are direct lines of that. I think I said that in a really convoluted way, but I like that, you know, when you're 80 years old, they might have a chat about something that they did here and being the person that provided that. Yeah. I think that's probably like, that's the best bit. I totally agree. It's why we're doing this podcast right now because I love people's stories and I wanted to hear everyone's different stories because everyone is so uniquely on their own journey. And even if some parts are quite similar, they have their own aspect or their own interpretation. So no, I, I love that. I love people's stories. Like, yeah, that's why we're here. (laughs) Awesome. So is there any advice you wish you were given when you started business? Yeah, and I have been given it now. Um, I'm really lucky that I think sometimes in when you're a young person, you'll meet someone who sees a little light in you and wants to give you a little bit of their wisdom. And I'm really lucky that this has happened to me twice. Um, outside of family and outside of friends happened to me twice. And one of my mentors, Jen, she, I, I, I wish I knew it earlier, but I know it now and it's not too late. I'm only 30. And I she basically taught me that the reason that you want to get get you know as much affluence and abundance as you can is so that you put yourself in a position to be able to give back as much as you can and when you actually know that and you can put your resources or your community or your funds into other people and so you can you know build a longer table and not a taller fence the more that it's going to come directly back to you and the more that I started to exercise that and I know it sounds woo woo the more I started to exercise that based on her starting that little ripple for us, and I'll tell you about that because it's really important, I've started to do that for other people. So um, what Jen, so Jen is a like a, a millionaire. She's just this lady who's a millionaire and she just works so hard and she has built her business up from, you know, her position in her business up from the ground and she's just fantastic. She never sat me down and told me any of this, but she was following on on our page one day on our Instagram, our Facebook page, and noticed that one of our horses had gotten colic. And I'd not spoken to Jen before. She was just sort of watching what we were doing and watching what I was trying to build. And she messaged me and she said, look, I think that's going to be very expensive. You guys are a young couple. I think that's going to be quite expensive. I've got a horse sitting in my paddock. He's awesome, but he gets Queensland itch. I'd love to gift him to you. And then you can sell him and that can go toward your colic fees. And I had never never ever ever known kindness like that like I've not she doesn't owe me anything and I was like this is this is odd and when the horse got there I was thinking like is this going to be a dud or is someone just trying to palm something off to us and this horse got there they arrived at our house from the border of Queensland and he was impeccable I was thinking I just don't like how do you repay this how do you it was a real like real mind hug really Anyway, she did it quite a few other times for us and that ripple effect, that taught me like I don't necessarily need to give back to Jen. She doesn't need anything from me. What purpose is, is to create that ripple effect so then I put myself in a position that I can go and be that for someone else. And then that's how really strong women encourage other really strong women and you create confidence and conversation and open up your brain. Um, So that was definitely one thing that I wish I knew earlier in life. Um, the other thing is that I like I hope I can pass this on to somebody else in my lifetime once I've got a bit more of a handle on it 
is um, networking. So I've recently met another woman um, called Kathleen and she's just got this brain where you like you think you have a like periphery vision until you meet someone like her and you go there is just this expansive there are all these people out there that you can locate them they're like Jen and they're like Kathleen and they're like hopefully me um where if you open up lines of conversation and you go you talk to people and you go how can how can what I have to offer impact you instead of the conversation that most people will have and going okay what can you do for me and when you approach things like that, I feel like that's the best networking you can ever do. And they, you might not be able to serve them at that particular time. And they might not have anything that they can con- contribute to your plans at that particular time. But you plant that seed and it's just they're growing. And then one day you might feel like an apple or your recipe might need a lemon and you've already popped that in. So those are the two things I wish I knew earlier in life. And that if I can, if anyone can take anything from this whole chat, it would be those those two things because those women are bloody brilliant. I like the networking one. I think it's so important because when you're entering it, it is really how you can help someone else because you got into business to make a difference. You got into business to help other people. And I think we tend to forget that, especially at the moment with everything that's sort of happening, people are sort of, I don't know the right way to say it, got that desperation itch of, I just need to make money. So what can you buy from me and what can you do? But in doing that, you're actually damaging your brand even more than, you know, having someone saying, how can I help you? Like you've just mentioned that Kathleen said, it's absolutely beautiful because it's something you'll go, oh, that's someone that's really, truly willing to help. I'm going to keep that in my bank. And I know like I've been networking in my local area for five years now. And if there's anything I need five years down the track, I go, that's who I will hit up. That's who I will reach out to, or I'll reach out to this person. Cause I know that they're actually really want to be helpful and they're genuine in the help. Yeah. So. And it makes you feel good too. You're not like a, I don't know, you're not another dollar sign to them, I guess, is the way I would put it. People, you know, they want to help and be part of a community. (laughs) So what is your ultimate goal for your business? The big, hairy, scary goal. I've got a few. (laughs) I'm a little bit grandiose in my thinking sometimes. Like I need someone to reel me back in. And I certainly haven't married a man who's got that fishing rod. He's more like, he's just got a rubber arm. So I've got beautiful. Lots of I, I love, love him. <laughs> we love Lee. Lee's great. Yes, go Lee. We love that. We want the rubber arm. We don't want the fishing reel. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I've got a few things I'd like to do. So I've found a couple of industries within, like particularly the horse industry, that there are some real needs, and I feel like our platform and our facility can really impact. So one of them is Lee did an uh, Australian Brumby Challenge. So He's got a horse from the Kosciuszko National Park. It was chosen for him. He had 140 days to train her. She was about 18 years old. Normally, a horse started at two or three. She was 18 years old, never seen a human, never been touched. He started her. It was such an incredible experience that that particular competition only had 18 horses in it. And it doesn't touch the size to like what is needed to make a real impact. It raises a bit of awareness that I want to be able to make a real impact in that space. So I won't say too much about that because the wheels aren't exactly in motion yet. They are, the car is built, it is ready to go, it's been serviced, but I've got a lot of little nooks and crannies just to make sure that it actually is roadworthy. Yep. So that's what I'm able to make a real impact in the wild horse space. And being able to bring on as many people to to have that sort of uh, a premise of a competition, be able to serve as many people as it possibly can. Um, There's some other things I'd really like to do here. Um, 
there's a real hole in the mar- in the uh, in the equine industry for mentorship. So you can come to a clinic, but a lot of people that come to clinics, they're riding on the weekends or they're competing on the weekends, but there's not a real space for someone, for people to come and learn so that they can actually inject themselves into the industry in a skillful way. And there's so few trainers that will actually take people on because let's be honest, you can sometimes be taking on a liability and you don't know if that person is going to get injured. And then you still have to pay for X, Y, Z, or you don't know if they're skillful enough. They don't have any references. They're 18 just out of school and they want to learn. They're going to cost you money. So I'd like to build something there where it's a bit of a mentorship program where we can spit some people out into the horse industry having some real skills behind them and some real references. So that's another avenue I'd really like to explore. And then just, you know, your weddings and your different events and who knows, set it up, build it, and they will come. Yes. Yes, that's true. That sounds exciting. I like that there's different facets you're going in. You're not just going, okay, this is one big goal. You're like, no, I want a big goal here and I want a big goal here and I want a big goal here. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So is there, before we wrap it up, is there any tips? I know you've shared amazing advice you've received, but is there any tips that you would give to any businesswoman watching this, anything that would inspire or motivate them or empower them to move forward? Um, and getting even getting their business started or going for what they want. Like you moved from your life into Oberon and started this, which is just amazing. Not many people take that big jump to do it. So is there anything you would say to anyone that's sort of like, I don't know, itching but not ready to scratch yet? Yeah, I would say think about your community always. So I think uh, in a lot of industries, everyone like you touched on before is thinking, what can I get from these people? And I think if you really start to be community-minded and go, what skills do I have? What product do I have? How can I serve these people? And then constantly ask, how can I serve you? Have a chat with people. Um, Sometimes just replying to a message. You know, I think a lot of business owners won't actually reply to a message because that person's not saying, what's your bank account details? And I think if you can really nurture that community and realize that it's the people who will pay the bill. It is the people who will buy the horse off you. The people book the clinics. The people pay their invoices. It's the people who come to the competitions. I think a lot of business owners go, well, that's all about the product. If I can make the best product then, or the best experience, then that's going to be standalone and it's not. And they get really sour because why aren't people coming? Why aren't people buying my product? Why don't people want to book into my things when they've forgotten about the community? Build the community, reply to the message. Yeah, okay, they might not want to come to something today, but in five years' time, like you were saying before, you know exactly who you're going to go to. So I think, yeah, really be very community-focused and always be thinking, how can I inject myself, give a bit of free advice, offer an ear, you know, like someone might be looking at a horse that didn't come from us and they don't want to come to a clinic because their horses, they're buying a yearling and it's not suitable to come to a clinic. But because I'm the person who said, hey, let me check that breeding out. I'll show it to Lee to see if it's any, you know, if he thinks it's going to be really good for what you want to do. I just took 10 minutes out of my day. And then suddenly in three years time when that horse is ready to go, there's a repeat community member who comes to every single clinic every single weekend based on a 10 minute, hey, Lee, can you look at this? But I don't think everyone thinks about that all the time. So community, that's my thing, community. It reminds me of, I was told once, um, you know, we plant seeds in our business and sometimes we need to realize that sometimes those seeds will sprout uh, straight away and some of those seeds are like pineapple or bamboo. Pineapple takes two years to grow before you can get the fruit. Bamboo takes a lot longer. So we plant all these amazing seeds, but, you know, you don't keep 
checking on them. You plant them knowing that in time they will harvest or fruit and then you can reap the benefits. So I absolutely love that because it isn't everything right now. You don't know who you've got coming down the track and they could be your most like raving fans too. Like just by answering that message, they're like, oh, I've spent the time to engage and ask a question. They've responded or they've checked the breed out for me. That's it. Real de Park Equine is mine. I'm there. I'm a raving fan. Um, so it is really important to answer the message. Yeah. I agree. It takes two seconds for me to do and it could make a big impact for someone else. So like, why not? Yeah. Awesome. So how do we stalk you? Uh, you stalk me, hopefully frequently, on yes. Instagram. Uh, just Brill to Park underscore equine on Instagram and Brill to Park equine on Facebook. Or if you're a bride or you have an awards night that's going to come up, um, we are on Brill to Park events on both Instagram and Facebook as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I love, I've even taken your advice and the nuggets you've shared. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we finish off? No, I just can't wait to for your awards to keep like allowing people these platforms to be able to chat and celebrate because I don't know of any other awards that are women only that let you just celebrate yourselves and talk about what you've achieved. And I just think it's so good what you've done. Awesome. I know that you've got a bubs coming, but you know, I hope you enter this year and maybe you'll take another trophy. Maybe you'll just start lining them up every year somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Kylie.